Hello mamas, Laura here and today we are chatting all about pregnancy nutrition and specifically what nutrients you will need to focus on for each specific trimester for a strong and healthy pregnancy. Enjoy! Hey mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes, it's time for you to guide you through, let's take some time for Hello mamas and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Today we are kicking off the Pregnancy Nutrition Series, delving into the specific nutrient requirements for each individual trimester of pregnancy. Now this is episode one of a five-part Pregnancy Nutrition Series with the wonderful Larissa Telfer. Larissa is an accredited practicing dietitian and diabetes educator who is passionate about helping women to understand nutrition through pregnancy and beyond. There is so much amazing content coming up in this pregnancy nutrition series. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so you don't miss out. In this pregnancy nutrition series, you'll discover exactly what you should and shouldn't be eating throughout pregnancy, how much caffeine is reasonable to consume, what types of fish are safe, cravings in pregnancy and easy swaps to make them healthier if need be, healthy weight gain, the lowdown on gestational diabetes and the best ways to nourish the postpartum body. Now we also have a bonus sixth episode exclusively available to members inside the Pregnancy Posse where Larissa answers all of your questions around breastfeeding nutrition and baby led weaning. So we cover whether keto diets or fasting after birth is appropriate, breastfeeding probiotics, what extra calories and nutrients you'll need whilst breastfeeding and ways that you may be able to help boost your milk supply. This entire podcast series and all our other podcast series, along with our exclusive member-only bonus podcast content, is live all right now inside the Pregnancy Posse. So if you'd love to access all the bonus content and listen to or watch this entire podcast series right now, rather than waiting for future episodes to come out, then check out The Pregnancy Posse. I've taken my years of experience as a women's health physiotherapist helping pregnant and postnatal women and made this accessible to every wonderful woman online line inside the pregnancy posse. When you join the Pregnancy Posse, I'll guide you week by week throughout your pregnancy with safe weekly workouts tailored to your exact week of pregnancy. I also do a weekly Q&A session where I answer questions from our amazing Posse members. And there is a wonderful community forum where Posse members all support each other along with an extensive resources library, which will help you avoid the Google rabbit hole. (laughs) Now, I'd love to help you have a healthy, active, pain-free pregnancy. So just head over to the pregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about. Now, let's get into episode one of our five-part pregnancy nutrition series. You are going to love today's chat with Larissa as we unpack each individual trimester of pregnancy and what specific nutrients you may require in each. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Larissa. It is so wonderful to have you here. I know Thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. I'm super excited that you're here to share your time because I know that so many Pregnancy Posse members and all of my social media audience, so pregnant women in general, just feel really lost when it comes to nutrition Mm. and what to eat in the pre-postnatal phases of life. I think Mm. it's a bit of a minefield as we were just talking about before you jumped on. And so I'm excited to have you here just to sort of bust through 
all of the chaos and all of the noise out there and just give us like the straight up facts and information that we need to know. So I thought we'd start with delving straight into it. Let's start with pregnancy. So you've just found out you're pregnant. What do you need to know about the nutrients that are important to be consuming during pregnancy and why? Yeah, great. So I think what we might do is even break it up into trimesters a little bit um, because I think that it does change a little bit as pregnancy progresses and how women feel and what's important and the issues really change as pregnancies move along, as you know. Starting off with the first trimester, interestingly, in the first trimester, our calorie requirements don't actually increase. So there's a minor increase. However, I guess because a lot of women often reduce their activity because they're tired or not feeling very well, generally most women aren't actually needing any extra calories in the first trimester. So I think this is really important to remember because a lot of women sort of, you know, they're like, oh, I'm pregnant, now I'm eating from two from the start. So it's really good to keep that in mind for the first trimester. Saying that though, I guess our nutrient requirements do increase in the first trimester. So developing baby, all that development that happens early on in the first trimester does require extra nutrients. I think the first trimester is about quality over quantity. So all those extra hash browns are not necessary. <laughs> not necessarily. It doesn't mean you can't have some here or there. But, um, but yes, you certainly don't need to be eating for two um, at any point in pregnancy, particularly not in that first trimester. So what nutrients specifically are important for that first trimester, Larissa? Yeah, so I think a key one which most people are quite familiar with is um, folate or folic acid. There's just two different names for the same thing. So our requirements for folic acid increase quite significantly from the start of pregnancy. And this is because folic acid plays quite a crucial role in the development of the neural tube and also healthy cell development and DNA synthesis. That is all occurring from the beginning of pregnancy. Most women will be recommended, ideally, we should be starting folic acid supplement actually before pregnancy. So ideally, at least a month before pregnancy. As we know, not all pregnancies are planned though. <laughs> so um, as soon as you find out that you might be pregnant, it's um, certainly we recommend to be starting um, some sort of folic acid supplementation as soon as possible. Well, that was going to be my next question. Mm. So it's not just from diet. You feel like we definitely need to have some sort of extra supplementation? Yeah, yeah. So the recommendations certainly are that we do need to supplement folic acid. And that comes from the research around neural tube development. I guess the supplementation of folic acid has shown to be really crucial in the prevention of neural tube defects, such as spina bifida. And is that for the entire pregnancy or just for the first trimester? So yes, we do actually need to continue that folic acid supplementation through the pregnancy. Some women do actually have higher folic acid requirements than others. For example, women with underlying conditions like diabetes actually prefer a much higher dose of folic acid, particularly in the first trimester, than other women. Okay. It is important to check in with a dietitian or your doctor about if you are taking the right dose of folic acid because it's actually not uh, just one size fits all which is mm. really important yeah. yeah and i know we're going to delve into postnatal nutrition mm. later in our chat but is it something that you would then continue postnatally or is it just specific to pregnancy that importance of folic acid there is also a slight increase for breast when you're breastfeeding as well and i also think it comes down to 
the quality of someone's diet during breastfeeding too. Again, that's something that it's good to check in with a dietitian if you're not sure, you think you might be needing more folic acid, or if you feel like there is some gaps in your diet, then then there is certainly breastfeeding supplements available. Yeah, yeah. And coming back to the first trimester, Mm. is it worthwhile trying to eat foods that are rich in folate or folic acid as well? Would you recommend that or just stick with the supplementation? No, we definitely want to be including foods that are good sources of folic acid too. Nutritional supplements in pregnancy are definitely a supplement to a healthy diet. Mm. They're not going to provide all of the vitamins and minerals that you need to be having. And have you got some examples of foods high in Mm. folate? In Australia, breads are actually fortified with folic acid to help with making sure women are achieving folic acid, which is quite good because I know lots of my women in the first trimester, if they're quite unwell, they're living off toast. Mm. <laughs> so it's good that you to know if even if you're quite unwell and you're potentially eating quite a bland diet, you can actually still get enough folic acid. Other sources of folic acid are things like vegetables, legumes, lentils, green leafy vegetables particularly as well. So yeah, okay, that's Certainly great. things to be including regularly. Yeah. I remember when I was pregnant, I can't remember if it was the first or second time round, but okra was one mm. of the uh, vegetables that was high in folic acid. And I just yeah. remember thinking, <laughs> I don't know how to eat this, how to cook this. <laughs> All of the ones you just listed sound much more appetizing to me than just having a whole heap of okra. Especially if it's not something you cook regularly or it's not a traditional food for you. Yeah, yeah. I've had it in my life. Yeah, yeah. No, you can certainly find things that are part of your usual intake to optimise your folic acid without having to eat strange things you don't normally consume. Yeah, yeah. So is that the main one you want to be thinking about for the first trimester or is there others as well? The other one is iodine as well. Like folic acid, our iodine requirements actually increase from the beginning of pregnancy. And again, this is another key nutrient that we do recommend to supplement from the start of pregnancy. So most of your, I guess, standard pregnancy multivitamins will include iodine. Okay, so it's not a separate one necessarily that you'll have to get as long as you read the packet and it's got both folic acid and iodine included. Absolutely. And is the reason behind that again because of the neural tube or is it a different part of the development that's important for? Slightly different. Iodine is actually required for our healthy function of our thyroid. Our thyroid hormones control our metabolism. Babies actually relying on the mother's thyroid hormones and iodine for the regulation of their growth and development as well. It's also required to support baby's metabolism and that nervous system development and brain development from the beginning of pregnancy. Like folic acid, those iodine requirements actually increase right through the pregnancy. Yeah, okay. That's really interesting. So then when we hit the second trimester, how might these Mm. requirements change? So once we get into the second trimester, there is a small increase in uh, calorie requirements as babies starting to grow and, and needing more energy. So on average, it's around an extra 300 calories is, I guess, the extra energy that we're needing for the second trimester. And what does that look like? Because I know when someone says that, I think, oh, yes, 300 calories. But can you give an example of like a little meal or a snack that might equate to 300 calories? Yeah, so generally I suggest to try and include this as part of some healthy snacks as well. It might not be that you need to be eating, you know, larger meals. It might be including some some healthy snacks across the day. Snacks like, you know, a small tub of yogurt, a small handful of nuts and a piece of fruit might add up to that as well. 
as I said, I generally prefer people to try and add in healthy snacks mm. and still have their healthy meals along with that too. Yeah, yeah I think that's really good because I think 300 calories to most women doesn't really mean much. But when you say yogurt, yeah. nuts and fruit, that's a really good like example. It's not actually that much more food. Mm. Um, it's not an entire other meal. It's just like you said, healthy snacks on top of healthy meals that you're already having. Okay, Absolutely. so is there anything else in the second trimester for women to be thinking about? Yeah, so once we get into the second trimester, iron becomes important as well. This is because baby's growing and our blood volume's starting to increase. So it's really important that we are getting enough iron as part of our diet as well. The iron requirements actually increase more in the second half of pregnancy. Saying that, we do need to be checking our iron levels at the beginning of pregnancy as well, because if they're low from the start of pregnancy, we need to be trying to get them you know, up into that healthy range. However, if you're starting off pregnancy in that healthy range of iron levels, it's more towards the second half of pregnancy that the requirements actually increase, mm. which is good to know because some women don't always tolerate iron supplements very well. And they really make, you know, feel quite awful in the first trimester feeling sick. And then they're trying to take all these iron supplements. So it's really good to check your actual iron levels and see whether you are needing them from the beginning of pregnancy or whether you might be able to start them as some nausea and things settles towards the second trimester. Yeah. Do most prenatal vitamins or um, the multivitamins with the folic mm. acid and the iodine, do they have iron as well? Or is that generally not enough to supplement mm. in the second half of pregnancy? So most do contain iron. Um, there is some that don't contain iron, but the majority of your standard ones available at the chemist, like your general pregnancy multivitamins, include iron. And would that um, be enough? Generally. Um, again, it depends on what your iron levels are um, from the beginning of pregnancy. So some women come into pregnancy quite deficient in iron mm. um, and actually need additional iron supplement o uh, supplements over and above their general pregnancy multivitamin. So, yes. So best um, to go get it checked, talk to your dietitian, talk to your GP about whether you might need a little bit of extra help. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And, and lots of women do, particularly as we go on further along, you know, subsequent pregnancies as well. If we haven't got those iron stores back up from previous pregnancies, mm. um, lots of women are starting off the pregnancy with lower iron stores. Mm. So, so good to be on top of it from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a lot of women, Larissa, write into me to ask if mm. you had any advice on what food sources are great for high iron, because mm. there's a lot of vegetarians these days who won't eat meat anyway but there's a lot of women in pregnancy who go off meat and the mm. idea of having a big slab of steak to get your iron up is just awful and that induces vomiting and nausea yes, in of itself. so yep. do you have any non-meat options that are high in iron that women might be able to try yeah absolutely this is really common i see in practice as well meat is one of the most common aversions that women just can't stand mm. um, in pregnancy and you can actually get iron from plant sources of food as well i guess the key thing to keep in mind is two types of iron in food so there's heme iron that we get from animal foods and non-heme iron that we get from plant-based foods unfortunately we don't actually absorb the non-heme iron in plant foods as well as if it's coming from animal foods um, so I think that's something to really keep in mind as well. What we can do, though, to promote the absorption of our plant-based non-heme iron is actually have some vitamin C with it. 
So vitamin C actually really helps the absorption of the iron from all foods. It's also why lots of iron supplements include vitamin C in them as well. Mm. Some of the non-animal sources of iron are things like whole grain breads and cereals. Lots of cereals are actually fortified with iron, which is good. All bran and bran flakes are a great thing that can be added into other cereals to boost the iron content as well. Leggings and lentils, again, are a great source of iron as well. Tofu and nuts like almonds and cashews as well. So, And you can also get them in, you know, your nut butters and things these days as well, which some people find a little bit easier, you know, to mm. add into their toast at breakfast time or something like that too. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really good advice because, yeah, I think a lot of women do struggle with the meat component. Mm. I guess, do you, um, I'm just throwing this one out there, I just thought yeah. about it now, but do you have any tips or tricks um, for those women who are happy to eat meat but maybe just don't want that big slab of steak? Would you recommend maybe like a mince option or is there an easy Absolutely. way to digest yeah. that meat if you are feeling a bit nauseous? Often one of the things with meat, it's, for women, particularly in that first trimester, it's the hypersensitivity to smells that's the issue. So mm. some people find that it's really the smell of meat or the preparation of meat that makes it hard to tolerate. So maybe asking your partner to prepare the meat and not be sort of in the room while it's cooking can help for some people. Also potentially trying cold options. I mean, not all cold meats are suitable in pregnancy, things like deli meats, but, you know, some people find they might tolerate a small can of tuna or something like that because it doesn't have that kind of hot cooking smell um, mm. and that can help, yeah. And just to confirm, when it comes to iron, mm. is red meat the best option for iron content or is all meat equal? All meat does contain salt, like contain iron. However, red meat does contain more iron for the amount that you're going to eat, you know, per mm. hundred grams than, than other sources of meat. Ideally, red meat is your best source, but you're certainly going to get iron from other sources of meat as well and eggs too. Yeah, yeah that's really yeah. good. Um, a good little sum up of where to get iron from mm. on top of that supplementation um, if required. So mm. in the second trimester, you're saying we need about 300 more calories plus the iron. Is there anything else women should be thinking about in that second trimester? Also thinking about our calcium and vitamin D. So as we get into the second trimester, baby skeleton starting to develop, making sure that potentially we've had our vitamin D levels checked particularly in southern parts of Australia where we are. It's vitamin D deficiency is not uncommon. So many women will, will require some vitamin D supplementation in pregnancy to keep their vitamin D levels up and making sure that you are having, I guess, some sources of calcium in the diet as well. So the key there being dairy sources. But if you are using, you know, lots of people using nut milks and oat milks and rice milks and things like that these days, in pregnancy, it's really important that you check in that those um, alternatives are calcium fortified as well. Mm. I was going to ask that because I see a lot more people these days are intolerant to mm. dairy products. So mm. you can actually get the nut milks and things like that fortified with calcium? That's correct. So okay. not all are fortified with calcium, but yeah, certainly check because um, there's a lot of alternative options that are fortified with calcium. So, mm, yeah, that's yeah. really great. And on a side note, um, mm. there's been some studies that have come out recently that vitamin D may be linked to a stronger pelvic floor. So there if that go. wasn't enough motivation to um, <laughs> vitamin D levels up and get some sunshine and take some supplements, then um, yeah. 
Yes, there is a link between uh, good vitamin D levels and a stronger pelvic floor. So there, there you go. go. That's a fun fact. Vitamin D is a wonderful thing. It's linked with so many different things for our health. So it's definitely one to keep on top of in pregnancy. Yeah. Mm. Since I moved down, so I live uh, quite close to the beach. I'm literally looking at the waves as we have this oh, conversation. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, my vitamin D is perfectly normal since I started moving here because I think I'm encouraged to go outside because there's the beach to visit and whatnot. Whereas when I was living in Melbourne, I obviously didn't go outside as much and when I was working full-time and whatnot. And yeah, my vitamin D was always an issue. So it is interesting how much just being outside during the day. Is there a recommendation around being outside for vitamin D levels, like a certain amount each day that is recommended? Look, it's tricky to give a blanket recommendation because it also depends on this. It's quite seasonal and whereabouts you're living as well. There certainly is some great resources that you can find for where you're living. I think mm. the Cancer Council has some wonderful resources on their website about how to get some vitamin D but also stay sun safe because mm. I think that's the tricky thing with vitamin D is We've all taken on the you know, sun safe message so well that it has interfered with you know, potentially getting adequate vitamin D. So, um, however, you can supplement it quite effectively as well. So I know for me, I struggle sometimes to get out during the week and get some sun, particularly this time of the year where it's dark by six mm. o'clock at night. You know, taking a supplement over those winter months, many people need to do that to keep that up as well. So again, it's one to sort of check in with your doctor, see what your levels are doing as well. And then depending on what those levels are, a dietitian can give you some guidance around how much to be taking. Yes, absolutely. And maybe the the positive of lockdowns and everyone working from home is that maybe a few more people are sneaking out for some lunch walks and things like that, given they've got a little bit more time not traveling to work. Absolutely. That commuting time can be put into going for a walk and spending some time outside. Yeah, absolutely. Now, is there anything else women need to be thinking about for second trimester? No, that's the key things for second trimester. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. So moving on to the home run, the third trimester. The third trimester. So um, again, our energy requirements increase a little bit more by the third trimester. Generally, it's quite a peak period of growth for babies in the third trimester. So it's when they lay down a lot of their energy stores in preparation for birth. And you're looking at around an extra 450 calories by the third trimester. And a lot of the key nutrients for the third trimester are around supporting babies' brain development. So a lot of the brain development does happen in, you know, those final weeks of pregnancy. Two of the key nutrients for the third trimester that are really important. So the first being choline. So choline's one that there's actually quite a lot of recent research. It's kind of the new thing on the block when it comes to pregnancy nutrition. So a high intake of choline in the third trimester has been shown to improve cognitive function in offspring. And it also seems to help with placental function as well. So high intakes of choline have been shown to reduce inflammation and actually promote transport of nutrients across the placenta. I think that's really interesting. Mm. Um, I've never heard of choline, to be perfectly honest. So this is probably news to a lot of women. It is, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because it's, I guess, not widely known. At the moment in Australia, a lot of women don't actually have an adequate intake of choline. So you'll see it starting to come into pregnancy multivitamins now as well, um, Mm. as again, as I said, because it's quite recent research. Mm. But, yeah, definitely something to be mindful of. And can you give us some examples, Larissa, of Mm. foods that are high in choline? Yeah. Some of our key sources of choline are eggs. 
mm-hmm. um, fish and seafood. And Brussels sprouts are actually a good source of choline as well. So not that, not that everyone loves their Brussels sprouts, but I think people are learning a bit more how to cook them and how to make them a bit more interesting than the old soggy steamed cabbage ball we had as kids. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like they get a really bad rap, but I quite yeah. like Brussels sprouts. With, yeah. you know, fry, fry them up, a little bit of bacon sometimes, yeah. and yeah. I think they're actually quite nice. But, yeah. yes, I think maybe the way they're cooked is very influential on the taste. That is, yeah, absolutely the key to Brussels sprouts. So I like to do them with a bit of olive oil and garlic in the pan. Oh, yes, that um, does sound good. delicious. But, yeah, certainly I think the key to Brussels sprouts is playing around with how you cook them. Flavour. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And so choline, like you were saying, will, if not already, probably be added to vitamins that you're mm. already taking. But if not, Brussels sprouts, eggs, fish, seafood are some really good sources to add that in the third trimester. And is there anything else for women to be thinking about? Do you, oh, actually, coming back to you, said 450 mm. calories. So can you give us an example, Larissa, of what that might look like? So with the 300 calories in the second mm. trimester, that was yogurt, nuts, and a piece of fruit. So what, what might that look like? like in the third trimester so again we're looking for another 150 calories so um, it may be tricky to get this in just with extra snacks you might find by the third trimester that you are eating larger meal sizes however I find actually by the third trimester a lot of people get a lot of pressure in their tummy and actually struggling to fit in big meals Mm. Um, and to get enough I guess food and nutrition across the day they actually switch to more having like six small meals throughout the day Yes. And I'm thinking for those women in the third trimester who might be like me, who get awful Mm. heartburn, having a big meal is the worst thing that you can do when you've got heartburn. So six small meals sounds much more appealing to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Certainly the 450 calories is kind of an average. Some women may need more than this by the third trimester, some a little bit less. But yes, certainly the third trimester I find and often encourage people to have six small meals throughout the day because it can help with the reflux. Getting enough nutrients in throughout Mm. the day and good foods as well Mm. is certainly the way to go. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, that's great advice. And is there anything else in the third trimester for women to be thinking about? The other one, again, around brain development is omega-3s. There's three types of omega-3s in food that we're eating, EPA, DHA and ALA. And there's a lot of research around the role of omega-3s in early life nutrition. They've been shown to play a crucial role in babies' brain and eye development. And high intakes of omega-3 in pregnancy have actually been shown to reduce the risk of postnatal depression and preterm birth as well, which is Mm. quite interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Again, it's something that I find women aren't always eating enough omega-3, particularly because people are avoiding all fish and seafood. Um, Mm. It can be tricky to get enough three. We will chat about that later in terms of safe fish consumption and mercury and whatnot. But yes. Absolutely, yeah. And also, you know, a lot of people don't like fish. It's quite a strong flavour. Like not everyone likes it. If you're not having sources of oily fish and things in the diet, it can actually be tricky to get enough omega-3. So it is something that we do look at supplementing for some women. Mm, yeah, And I do actually have these cool at-home testing kits that you can actually test your own omega-3 levels as well mm. to see what your actual omega-3 levels are doing. So it's interesting. Pretty cool. How do you yeah. test that? Is that like a saliva swab or? It's actually a little finger prick. So it's a little oh, yeah. blood prick. Yeah. Um, and you just do the little prick and pop it on a little strip and send it off to a lab and they do some, do the testing and send it back. 
mm. um, and and give us an idea of, of what your omega-3 levels are. Yeah, great. Yeah. Do you find outside of pregnancy most people struggle in the omega-3 department as mm. well? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It is something that, yeah, people do struggle to get enough in mm. what they're eating. I think a lot of people, you know, when you say, you know, how often you're having fish, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, here or there, you know, once, a, once every now and again. It's, it's not something that people are eating, you know, a few mm. times a week. It is something that people do struggle to get enough omega-3s in. Yeah. Mm, I was just thinking, when was the last time I had fish? Because I've got to do a grocery mm. shop today. <laughs> and I always try and think the week ahead, you know, yeah. a healthy balance of everything. And I was just thinking then, yeah, I don't think we've had fish in at least probably three weeks. So yeah. I'm yeah. having fish for dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think a lot of people aren't confident in how to cook fish. Yes. Like it is something that if you cook it all the time you can you know you get confident with it but I just find a lot of people aren't confident in cooking mm. it as well and that is a bit of a barrier to people eating it regularly yeah yeah look this is certainly not a cooking show but side note <laughs> I, I I don't know if you've done that you probably have yeah. you're probably an amazing cook but I just wrap it up with lemon garlic parsley and a bit of butter in like yeah. a foil package pop it in the oven I find it always hard to know whether it's cooked mm. I tend to overcook it just because the yeah. thought of raw fish freaks me out but yeah. that is just like a winning combination for me I've never had a yeah. terrible tasting fish when I've done that combo so for anyone not sure try that yeah. one let me know how you go <laughs> yes yeah it is you've got a bit more leeway in the oven with than in a pan I think of yes of it going from undercooked to overcooked, overcooked. quickly you've got a bit more time to, to get that nice nice balance yeah. yes 100 yeah. percent. oh now I'm getting really hungry so <laughs> Yeah, this is the story of my life being a talking about food all the time. <laughs> oh, you'd, you'd, yes, I, I can't even imagine. I'd just be thinking about it all day long as if I don't already. Yeah. Um, now, I wanted to talk about, was there anything else before we move on about the third trimester you wanted to mention? No, that's the key thing. That's the main the third one. trimester, yeah. So I think that's a really good summary mm. of what foods and nutrients to be focusing on. And I like how you broke it down into each trimester because I think that makes it much easier for women to understand. They go, mm. where am I at right now? And this is what I need to focus on. Hey, mamas, Laura here. How informative was that episode? I just love when professionals break down all of that juicy knowledge inside their head into bite-sized, easy-to-digest pieces. So hopefully that helps you understand better the different nutritional requirements at each trimester of pregnancy. And I hope it takes a lot of the guesswork out of the picture for you. Now, if you'd like to learn more from Larissa, you can find her on Instagram at prenatal underscore dietitian. I'd also love to hear from you over on my socials at physio. Laura and let me know your favorite learnings or takeaway message from today's episode. In the next few episodes of this pregnancy nutrition series, we will be chatting with Larissa about exactly what foods are best avoided during pregnancy. We'll discuss healthy weight gain, pregnancy cravings, safe caffeine consumption, low mercury fish choices, gestational diabetes, fuel for labor, postpartum nutrition, and so much more. So if you haven't already, just subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes in this wonderful podcast series. Now, 
If you love today's episode and you want to devour the next four episodes in this pregnancy nutrition series, you can find this entire series along with all our other podcast series live right now inside the Pregnancy Posse. For most series of the podcast, we also record exclusive bonus content for Pregnancy Posse members. And in the bonus member only episode for this series, Larissa answers members' questions about breastfeeding nutrition and baby led weaning. So we chat about how many extra nutrients and calories you'll need when breastfeeding, whether keto diets or fasting are a good option after birth, breastfeeding probiotics, and so much more. Inside the Pregnancy Posse, you'll also find weekly guided pregnancy workouts, an extensive resources library on birth preparation, pelvic floor exercises, and managing pregnancy pains and injuries, plus a wonderful community forum and weekly Q&A sessions with me. Now, I would love to help you have a wonderful pregnancy, birth, and postnatal experience. So just visit thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about. Catch you soon for episode two in this five-part pregnancy nutrition series where we'll be covering what foods are best avoided during pregnancy, as well as safe fish and caffeine consumption. Until then, mamas, sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes and enjoy the incredible journey that is pregnancy.